Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. It's about time because we're going there. Girl, listen, we're going there. For International Women's Day, we are taking over Bianca's podcast because we want to know as a woman in leadership, in ministry, how is she navigating this? Girls, I want to say thank you so much. Uh, Michaela and Val are flipping the script today, and I'm excited because we get to celebrate this holiday together. Not only are Michaela and Val co-hosts of the Girl Listen podcast, they are also personal friends. We work out together, we go to church together, we're in ministry together. And so it felt like a natural collab to come together and have a great conversation around women, ministry, and women in ministry. What does leadership look like as a follower of Jesus? So let's go there. All right. So what is your personal journey first off with leading and with ministry? Well, I have to, (laughs) I got to go back a number of years. So I don't think I ever self-identified as a leader. I mean, I was president of my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and then I was school president my senior year. I was captain of the track team and captain of the soccer team. And yet I never really found myself as a leader. And I found myself in leadership positions, but I always just had a different definition of what a leader was. And so when people would talk about leadership or identifying their leadership potential, I was like, that's cool for those people. That's just like, not really me. And I don't know if it's cultural context or if it was like how I was brought up. I don't know, but I never really thought of that one ministry was for me, two, that I was a leader. And so it was probably around... 21 or 22, I started serving in youth ministry. And while serving in youth ministry, I just was like a Pied Piper. Like I would just play a flute and then all the kids would come around. And I started like teaching the Bible and doing Bible studies. And I was actively involved with ministry. I did not get a dime. I was not paid. It was just my passion. It was everything. I was at church, in grad school, or at the gym. Those were like the only three places that you would find me. And I grew up in a church where women were very esteemed, like held in high regard. But our theological denomination in which I grew up, women were never at like high levels of leadership. So they can oversee like women's ministry and they can serve in kids ministry. But as far as like high levels of leadership, I didn't see any women. And so I just kind of was like, well, that's just not for me. And I kept on leading, kept on leading. And I vividly remember doors were opening up for me to start like teaching and preaching and writing in different avenues and different places. And I was still super involved with church. And I remember this one guy from my dad's church, he was an elder and he had been at the church for so long. He's now been with Jesus, but he was like Mm -hmm. uh, just a pillar in the church. And I remember after second service, he caught me in the fellowship hall and he grabbed my hands and he said, if you were a boy, your dad would give you over this church because you would have been amazing. And I looked at him a little bit confused because, well, quite honestly, I never had the ambition or intention of taking over a church. I didn't want to do ministry. I just was like serving Jesus. That's That was like my only ambition. But what I didn't realize until years later was that there was a seed that was planted in my mind and in my heart, that there was something wrong with me because I wasn't a man. And I'm doing things that were only for a man. 
I didn't realize this. I didn't realize this until years later when a movie by the name of Gladiator. Do you guys remember the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe? No. no. Okay. Okay. This is definitely a generational gap. Oh my God. I just aged myself massively. Okay. So there's this scene where the emperor of Rome is going to give his throne to his son because that was a law. You just gave it to your son. But the emperor had a daughter and she was smart and articulate and beautiful. And she had peace with the people. And he looks at his daughter knowing that his son is an absolute buffoon. And he looks at his daughter and he says, oh, what a Caesar you would have been. And it took me back to that moment, being in the fellowship hall at my dad's church with this man who I held in high regard, feeling like what a missed opportunity it was that God gave me these gifts and I happened to be a woman. So that coupled with not seeing anyone in this position, I just thought it wasn't for me. And you can't be what you don't see. So if you don't see people leading in these places or in these spaces, you're just going to feel like there's not a space for you. So I say all of that because it was going up a leadership battle uphill pretty much my entire life. And it isn't until quite honestly, like the last two years where I have stepped into holding the title of leader, actualizing my role as leader and embracing my role as leader and celebrating that I'm a woman together. So what I want to do, and I love that we get to have this podcast together, is when I look at you guys, I look at the next generation of women, I look at the next generation of Christ followers, I look at the next generation of leaders, and I'm like, let me save you 20 years of heartache and angst Mm -hmm. by not thinking that you are in the wrong role or that you are the wrong gender. It's no, the gifts that God has given you, he has given them to you. And I want to see the next generation of women in ministry and women, period, flourish. So I'm glad that we get to have this conversation. That's so good. Okay, so Bianca, you've been in ministry for what, 17 years now? Um, Yeah, yeah, about 17 years. You're aging me, Mac. You're aging me. I'm sorry. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I tell everyone I'm 21, okay? (laughs) No, 17 years, yeah. That's a long time. And I think, I mean, it's like a good long time, you know? Like you have a lot of wisdom. And so, you know, us, we have our podcast. We're also in ministry. We also have full-time jobs. And I know sometimes for myself, I can feel overwhelmed. Like I can't do this all, but I know that our ministry is girlless in our podcast. And then my ministry is also with the church TFHOC. And so like, mm-hmm. what advice could you give women who are navigating so many different things, but, and, and, and these things we don't even get paid for, you know, like the majority <laughs> of the work we're doing is free. So we are doing it for the kingdom. And so like, how do you keep, keep running, keep going? What are some helpful tools that you've learned over the years to help you stay like almost sane while managing all of this. Okay. So I'm going to flip the table on you, Mac, for a second. Okay. This is a great question. And I think that there's a lot of listeners that are wondering the exact same thing. So I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you, before I answer that question, I'm going to ask you, how do you manage it? It's a great question. I've been trying to navigate what that looks like. And I think I since, you know, the first time we met, you, you like told me that I needed to get my life together because I am so just like not organized. I'm not structured. And so I realized I thrive in structure. And so I have my own personal business and then I have the podcast and then TFH. And the best way that I've been able to navigate that is by putting everything in my calendar, making sure my yes is yes. My no is no. Mm. And then also just realizing because it, the weight feels really heavy a lot of times. Yeah. And I, I know that we've been saying like, 
God, like, are we relying on our own strength? Why is this so heavy? And I think we've had to recognize like it's heavy because it's kingdom work. Yeah. And like, we keep giving it to God. We keep saying like, we're, we're vessels of you. We're just doing this for the kingdom and we're just going to carry it because we know that it's, we're meant to carry it in this season. So I think that's how I've been navigating it. If that answered your question. No, it does. It totally does. And one of the things I want to say and affirm you with is I'm going to give you the 30,000 foot view and then I'm going to give some practical handles. But that feeling of like, God, I don't know what to do or what do I do next? Or how do I do what you've asked me to do? It won't leave you. I am like Mm -hmm. 15 years older than you, 17 years older than you. I don't know, but like, I'm like, like a good decade and a half older than you. And I'm still asking those same questions. And so what I want to do in stating that is like demystify the myth that we have to have it all together. And you know what? I'm just like, I'm really fighting hard against in this season is warring against the lie of balance. And it's actually, it's actually, if you look at chemistry, if you look at physics, balance is a moment of stasis. So we say, I just want balance. I just want balance. Do you really? Because balance means that nothing is moving and nothing is growing. Mm -hmm. That's static. Mm -hmm. I don't want a static life. That's like for basic broads. That's not me, okay? (laughs) Like, I want to grow in my relationship with my husband. I want the church to grow. I want my my ambition to grow. I want my spiritual depth to grow. And so if that's the case, life is going to feel a little off kilter sometimes. That doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong. It just means that we probably Mm -hmm. need some handles. And so that's the 30,000 foot view. This feeling of inadequacy or maybe a little bit of ineptitude, it won't leave you when you're married. It won't leave you when you have kids. It won't lead you when you start a church. It won't, it won't lead you or leave you, I should say, but Mm -hmm. I don't want it to lead you. I don't want that to be your lens and filter in which you look at it. And so, yes, as captain of the bossy posse, I did look at your calendar and I was like, Michaela, get your life. All right. So you already told on me, so I'm just going to tell myself (laughs) and I look at the next generation and I just, again, I'm going to tell you what I wish someone told me. If you want to serve in ministry, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, if you want to have your life organized and you want to accomplish whatever it is you want to accomplish, it's going to require sacrifice and organization. And so mm-hmm. let's just, let's put a, a different topic outside of ministry. Let's just say, I want to be a good mom. Okay. You're going to have to wake up. You're going to have to prepare your children's food. You're going to have to wash their clothes. You're going to have to love and discipline. You're going to have to take them to school. You're going to have to help them with homework. Now let's put this in a different form. Let's say that you want to lose weight. You're going to have to meal plan. You're going to have to go to the gym. You're going to have to drink lots of water. What makes us think that we have to prepare for all these other aspects of our life, but we don't prepare for ministry aspects or our dreams. And so it starts with the small things. Are you willing to wake, like set an alarm clock and wake up early? There is a book. I I can't remember the name. I'll put it in the show notes. Sorry, Madi. I'll give you the title after to add to the show notes. But um, it's like, I think it's called the 5 a.m. club or something like that. But Mm. study after study after study proves that some of the most successful people in the world wake up at 5 a.m. There's just something about that time where you get organized, your mind settles, you get strategic. While the rest of the world is sleeping, you're up and getting organized. I also Mm. live by Google Calendar. Now, I know some people are like, that's such, like, it's so, um, it makes me feel like I'm in a prison. Don't box me in. As a creative, guide rails aren't to box us in, it's to give us direction. And so my most critical times for me are 8.30 to 12.30. That is like my critical writing creative times. That's when I write sermons. That's when I write my book. That's when um, I'm, I'm thinking and creating and ideating. And then anything after that is the actionable things. So that's when I'm on base camp. That's when I'm doing emails. That's when I'm having meetings. That's when I'm recording podcasts. And so small little tweaks in our calendar 
small little tweaks in our bedtime routine and small little tweaks about spending time with Jesus. And know this, I put that at the end because if I would have led with that, someone would be like, yeah, 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 spending time with Jesus. But literally, literally, my husband knows, like if I'm at my desk with my Bible and my journal, like just don't talk to me. Like don't talk to me. That is like my time where I get to pray and be with God. Those three things, I just want to make this simple because we can go in a thousand different directions, but those three things really help balance everything. And I say this as a stepmom to two kids who worked for Mm -hmm. an NGO for six and a half years, whose husband was a pastor at a mega church. Like our life was super crazy and chaotic. I say this now as a church planner, as a business owner, as a mentor, as a pastor, my life has to be incredibly like strategically organized. I wake up early and I spend time with Jesus. Those have been some three linchpins for me. That's so good. I love that. And I think that's something that we've been talking about lately that like Mm -hmm. we've been figuring out is good for ourselves too. But there was something that you said earlier that like has been like stuck in my mind. Go Val, go. You were talking about how you can't be what you haven't seen. And I, I, as a instructor, as a college instructor, I work in a white male dominated academia. That's the the career. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal with keeping your femininity intact and working in a male dominated area as a, as a woman in leadership? Like how do you, without coming off like a witch? Yeah. 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 Okay. (laughs) This is a great question. This is a great question. Um, you know, it's funny because I have conversations around this exact topic more often than I want to. A couple (laughs) things that I have to address. Like I hate that when a man is assertive and has an opinion, it's considered a benefit. But a woman, a woman who comes in and assertive is considered like something negative. And she's perceived, in your words, as a witch, domineering, overbearing. So I do yeah. feel like there's some cultural things that we don't really have time to address. And so I can't control how other people view me. I can control myself. And mm. I viewed sensitivity as a liability. I viewed sensitivity as a weakness. I viewed sensitivity as a detriment. Growing up, I felt, to be honest with you, oh, this is the first time I've admitted this, but I thought growing up as a daughter of an immigrant, growing up um, in a family where no one was formally educated, hard workers, you know, tons of hard workers applied ourselves, but no one ever really went to college or graduate school like me and some of my family members. And so for me, I looked at like this feminine sensibility and the feminine sensitivity as a weakness. And so I thought I had to show up and lose my cultural background. I had to show up and be white and I had to lose my femininity. I had to be, I had to show up like a man. And you want to know who called me out on this? And I was 29 when I was called out on this. And it took a educated upper middle class white man who's my husband who told me and looked at me in my face and he said, oh, I have a lump in my throat. He said, I don't want you hating that you're brown or that you're a woman. That is what makes you powerful. That is what makes you powerful because that is who, how God made you. And so don't despise how God made you. And I, you know what? I wanted to say like my spiritual response was, oh, thank you. That's so wise. I fought it. And I was like, I literally, literally, I said, how dare you? How dare you tell me that I'm ashamed to be Hispanic or I'm ashamed to be a woman? And I sat with it for a really long time. And I realized there was so much shame. I wasn't ashamed of my gender or ashamed of my culture, but there was shame around it. And I really started to unpack, 
No, God fashioned me female. God fashioned me Mexican. God fashioned me loud and opinionated. God fashioned me this way. And so how do I hold on to my sensitivity? How do I hold on to my feminine sensibility? Is that one, I no longer have shame around it. I have to, I've learned to bridle it. I've learned when to read a room. I've learned when my opinion is invited. I've learned when I should say something and when I shouldn't say something. But one of the things that I'm stepping into in this season of leadership is, and I've told um, Michaela is on TFHOC staff and she oversees her social media. So Michaela can attest to this. I think for a long time, because I didn't see a leadership model like me, my husband is all head, right? So he just, he just thinks strategically and he thinks analytically and he thinks in numbers and lines and graphs. And I thought that was leadership. Well, I lead with the heart. So it's lead, led with feeling and intuition. And I never saw that even like in Forbes 100. And so I thought like, well, this style of leadership is wrong. Until I realized in looking through the gospels, how Jesus led was teaching people and feeding people. And I said, that's something that I can do. And I've made it my life goal to feed people emotionally, feed people spiritually. And as we, Michaela can attest to this, because last night we had team dinner with a four course meal. <laughs> I will feed people physically. And yeah. I'm realizing that is actually feminine sensibility. It is a mm. nurturing, mothering. Um, again, I don't want to get into gender stereotypes. We're talking about stereotypes based on a preponderance of truths. <laughs> Characteristically, women are more nurturing. I lead with my heart. And so I've learned not to shy away, embrace, celebrate, own, and recognize where is my place, not dictated by man as in humanity. Where is my place that God has placed me divinely? And how do I own that? Not be ashamed of it and walk in the strength that God has given me. That's, That's so, so good. good. Oh, that was <laughs> twins. That's so good. <laughs> That was really good. And yeah. I think, and I would just, I want to affirm you because you do that so well. And yeah. I think you said you can't be what you don't see. Mm. And now we see that in mm -hmm. you. And it's mm. so amazing to be under leadership like that because you lead so well with your heart and your, in your emotions. And that's why it's so amazing that we get to see that now mm -hmm. you weren't able to, and now you get to, you've started that for us and many other women. So mm -hmm. just thank you. I love you guys. When I say that I'm passionate about the next generation, I really am. Uh, you guys, uh, yes, are part of church, but we've been able to hang out. And what I love seeing in this next crop of women that are coming up is that there's an eagerness. And because they've already seen someone in this role, they now get to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before them. So what has been my ceiling will be your floor. So from the preaching and teaching cohort that both of you guys were in, to workout classes at Moxie, to Sunday services or leading in ministry, I will always fight for you guys to stand on my shoulder and go to places that I never could. And this is why I think this conversation is so important. So you guys are being brave and I want to say thank you. So, okay, hit me. What's next? Yes. I get so lost in your words. Let me <laughs> You're not dramatic at all, Michaela. <laughs> I'm the most dramatic. Okay, Bianca. So, you know, we were friends. We have multiple friends, but we're also leaders. How do you navigate leading in friendships? Ooh. Or how do you 
Yeah. Leading, leading your friends. Leading your friends. Leading your friends. Oh, that this is a great question. Okay. So uh, you guys are in an interesting spot because you guys are in your 20s. And in your 20s, this is where, oh, I hate to say this. I'm going to say this. This is where the cream begins to rise. Have you guys heard of the expression creme de la creme or cream de la cream? Yep. The top of the cream. No. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, it's an American <laughs> adage. And um, what happens is that when you bring heat to cream, the very top, the fattiest parts rises to the top. And so that's like, that's like the not that that's the cream. That's like the fat right there. And so it's in your twenties that there's certain people that will just rise to the occasion. Right. And so because of that, you guys have now found yourself in the creme de la creme. You guys are rising up in leadership, rising up in your potential, rising up in your calling. And for those that maybe have not matured at the same place, or it's just not their call, that's totally fine. How do you lead someone your direct age? So yeah. let's just remove the friend capacity. Let's just say, mm-hmm. how do you lead peer to peer? Because this is what a lot of people are dealing with. Because it changes. I mean, when you're 40, you're leading 40 year olds. If you're 30, you're leading 30 year olds. Leading peer to peer is difficult. And we just have to say that's what it is. At the same time, that's not an excuse to abdicate like, oh, I can't lead my peer. No, no, you you can. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it going to require more work and more discipline? Yes. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is one, it's doable. You can lead your peers. The caveat is it's hard. It is, it just is hard, right? So I'm going to encourage you, gather yourself around free leadership resources. When I was serving a youth ministry, um, again, in the church that I was a part of, women were not like pastors or key leaders or whatever. However, I found myself leading regardless. I didn't have a title. I didn't have an office. I didn't have a paycheck. I just was leading and I loved it, but I didn't have like a direct pipeline and leadership development flow. So what did I do? I started reading blogs. Back in the day, youngins, we had these things called blogs, all right? So I started reading blogs and then I started reading leadership books. And then podcasts became like a thing. I started downloading podcasts. I began saturating myself with leadership principles that I never had organically. And how much did that cost me, ladies? Nothing. Free $99, zero, zero, right? And then I keep on hearing about all these people that have these things called mentors. And I was like, I never had a mentor. Nobody told me anything. And so I looked around and I, my husband and I attended the church that he was on staff at. And I said, a mentor is someone that you want to emulate their lifestyle in your future. So I started doing an assessment and saying, who in this community do I love how they, how they wife and how they mother and how they lead and how they live. And there was this one woman who's actually my husband's boss. She was a baddie. Oh my gosh. And she was intimidated. She really intimidated me. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I could be around her. I always felt awkward. She was so sweet and so kind. She loves Jesus. But like, I was always like, uh, I'm not at that level. Like she's really smart and I'm not. And insecurity got the best of me until finally I had the chutzpah and the ganas to be like, Hey, I was wondering, would you mind having lunch with me? Like that was it. I didn't come up with like, I'd love to be mentored and discipled by you. No, it was literally just, hey, do you want to have lunch? And I, I I asked her out to lunch. I wrote this in my book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck and Seeking a Mentor. I showed up 15 minutes before our appointment time. I came bearing gifts. I brought her lunch. I made sure that when she told me how long she had, she had 60 minutes for lunch. I was done at minute 55. I thanked her and I followed up after our meeting with an email of gratitude. I built a bridge with her that made her trust me that I am going to absorb, I'm going to put into practice everything she's telling me, and I'm going to honor her time. We met mm-hmm. together for 10 months, and we met once a month for 10 months, and it was just for 60 minutes over lunch. At the end of the 10 months, I sent her a beautiful, what I thought was expensive at the time, a beautiful, expensive gift, just thanking her because no one had invested in me in the way that this woman had. That changed me. And to this day, 
It's not on this desk. It's in my desk in my in my bedroom. But to this day, I have a notebook and I write everything in that notebook. And where did I learn that from? My mentor. When I started talking about sabbaticals and emotional health and spiritual health, who taught me that? My mentor. To this day, I save and save and save. And my husband and I have like a like a, a like a, just a line item in our budget that's just a little bit every month. And when I hit my certain amount that I need to go to a local spa here, I spend an entire day there. And I can't afford to stay at this one particular hotel, but I can afford to go to the spa. And I just stay there all day. And that's like my ghetto fabulous like Sabbath. <laughs> and guess who I got that from? My mentor. And so how do you lead your peers? You get around people who've done it before and have done it well. And you ask them to lunch, maybe even to mentor you for a short period of time. Two, download free resources, listen to podcasts, buy books, read blogs. And third, if you're going to lead them, you can't be afraid of them. Mm. Meaning you have, if you're their leader, you have to be willing to have hard conversations and hard conversations that might put you at odds with a person you consider to be a friend. But you know what leadership Mm -hmm. is? It's not easy. For the faint of heart, honey, leadership is saying, I'm going to make the right call, even if it's the hard call. Can you lead Mm -hmm. your peers? Can you lead your friends? Yes, but it's hard. Get resourced, get a mentor, and have the hard conversations. I don't know why all my answers have threes right now, guys. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I'm like being way too practical. I don't even know who I am right now. This feels weird being interviewed. (laughs) You're like Matt with his three points all the time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I've been around him for far too long. It's rubbing off on you. (laughs) I think that was like such a good answer. And I think that's something that like, we're like, we're in that stage right now, because even like leading in the church, right? Like we have friends in the church. So at some point we're leading people that we're friends with. And I think it could get really tricky to navigate. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's like being willing to have those difficult conversations because I think sometimes we could get scared to do that because we're like, we don't want to hurt feelings. We don't want to step on toes, Mm -hmm. but it comes with the territory if we want to lead. Yeah, 100%. And so I think one thing that we haven't done is that, and I want to get your definition of this, what do you define as a leader? Because you keep saying Mm -hmm. you used to not think of yourself as a leader or think of yourself as being in leadership positions. And I think people could get oftentimes we get confused thinking that just because we're not in a certain position that we're not leading, but I don't think that's true. So what would Mm. you define as a leader then? Mm. You know, I think this is a great question because there's so many definitions of leaders. So I'm gonna give you a couple definitions that have suited me and benefited me over the last couple years in defining what I can see myself as a leader. So one definition is leadership is influence. Not to one that Matt uses quite often. Like if you have influence, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, whether it's at the office or cubicle or church, well, that makes you a leader. Another definition is a leader is someone who turns around and has followers. The most recent one I heard on the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, shout out Carrie Newhoff, love his podcast, is he had a guest on and he said, leader is someone who is willing to make the hard decisions that benefit everyone, not just themselves. And I loved that definition. Because as I step into this season, specifically within ministry, so I have a business, I have a nonprofit, I've worked in a nonprofit, now we have a church. I think that leadership for me is, it's different when you're not just thinking about yourself. You know, if you have kids, you're not just thinking about yourself. If you enter into a friendship or you're part of a family, you can't just think about yourself. Now with the church, it's the same thing. So leadership for me has morphed into making the right decision that's not just good for you, but it's good for everyone. And, Mm. but I do believe that leadership is influence. I do believe that you are a leader if you have followers. I just don't know if you're a good leader if you have followers, you know? 
does just because you have followers doesn't mean you a good leader. You know, you could be leading people to their demise. So I, I like the last <laughs> definition the best. That's so good. Hey, Bianca, I want to wrap up here, but as it's International Women's Day, and I believe there's so many women that are probably listening across the globe, and I know that there are multiple areas, we have the privilege of being able to step confidently into leadership, but there's a lot of women who can't, they don't have a voice, and they don't even have the opportunity to lead. Is there any encouragement or maybe some words of wisdom that you can offer them? You know, whether it's in a developed Western world or maybe in a non-Western environment, or even here in the United States, I think that sometimes we think that empowerment and leadership is like a Western concept. One of the things I like love addressing is I led without a title. Mm. I led without a paycheck. I led without a mentor, a social media following, a map on what is leadership. And when you're committed to obeying the God call on your life, I don't want to say that our environment doesn't matter, but I kind of subscribe to the school of thought of what can you do within your context? Mm -hmm. Because there's going to be someone out there that's maybe on staff at a church and they feel like I can't do this because I'm a woman or I'm not allowed to do this because I'm a woman. Well, I'm going to I'm going to encourage you to really wrestle with the language of I can't and I shouldn't and really honor what you believe that the Lord's calling you to step into even if it means making hard decisions. Cuz leadership is making the right decision that's beneficial for everyone not just yourself. So I want to encourage people that whether you have a title or a paycheck or a role or a, a corner office in the C-suite, you don't need those things to honor the God call. You also don't need to wear a power suit and high heels and have power lunches and take power naps and use PowerPoint presentations to be considered a leader. There are someone right now who is at home leading within their home. I want women to step into whatever season that the Lord has put in front of them, whether it's motherhood or ministry or nonprofit work, whatever it is, I want them to step into with strength and confidence. And I don't want the color of their skin or their gender to preclude them or make them feel like they're less than. So whether it's here in the United States or in the United Kingdom, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Asia, whoever is listening, I want to speak to the anointing that God has placed on your life because he's called you for this season and he's called you with these passions and he's called you with these goals and he's called you with these skills to do what he's called you to do and only what you are uniquely called to do. And so, yes, we're talking about women in ministry and our frame has been within the church context, but I want to pull this out even more so because ministry doesn't mean that you work for a church. You can be in ministry as a chef. You can be in ministry as a mom. You can be in ministry. I mean, Valerie, you are a professor in several universities here in Southern California. Girl, you were doing ministry. I remember after a workout, you were telling me how you were like talking to your students and you've invited them to church. I said, oh my gosh, you're an evangelist. Girl, that is ministry. So Mm -hmm. when we talk about women in ministry, that doesn't mean the four walls of a church, the confines of a a steeple and a congregation. No, ministry is what we do every single day, Monday through Sunday. And I want to speak to those that are stepping into the ministry that God has put before them. Do not let the color Mm -hmm. of your skin, the gender, your education, a title, or a paycheck preclude you from leading. You are called. You are equipped. You are enough. And how God fashioned you, He fashioned you for what He's called you to. So- Ladies, I speak that not only to you, but to every podcast listener that is listening right now. I want to say thank you for honoring women across the globe and 
jumping in and being hosts on today's show. We're going to put a link in the show notes so that people can find your guys' podcast, Girl Listen, as well. You guys are updating that, and I'm so proud of the work that you guys are doing. Continue to push in ministry inside and outside of the church. I love you guys. Thank you.